0: Okay, we're going to begin here at the top of Tzadi Chetum and Aleph, but the two dots. Amar Marav, Marav, Hamavir Mot Mikure Patur. Someone who carries in a Rishut that has a roof over it is Patur. The fish Eno Domeh because it's not similar to the Rishut Arabim that they had in the Midbar. Again, every time we bump into Hotzaah, the Gemara is always looking for either a pasuk or a paradigm in the Mishkan. And without it, we're not Mikayev in terms of hotzaah. because of Tosafot. Rabbi Tam says it's a melacha grua, and therefore we need evidence of the fact that the melacha was carried out in this way. Since there was no reshutarabim mikure in the midbar, therefore there's going to be no culpability midoraita. For carrying Amot in a Rushut that is mikure. Now this is gonna occupy us for most of today's daf, which is Ini. Is that really true? Umar wants to really understand, is it true that there were no covered areas in the Rashutarabim in the Mikbar? Vha agalot the agalot, the wagons that were used by Bnei Marri to carry the krashim, those four agalot that we bumped into before, that were used by Bnei Marri to move the krashim on them, aren't they mikurot? Aren't they covered? The amarav mishum rabichia, agalot, takhtihem, Ubenehem, vitsidehem, rishut harabim, they agalot, when it's under them, when it's between them, and their sides, all classified as, rishut harabim, here the Gemara does not give you, all the information you need to know, that's coming up on tomorrow's stuff. the Gemara assumes that you, have this information already, the agalot of the midbar, looked at something akin to this, which is, that they are, first of all, five amot long, which is an important part of it, that the orech, of the Agala is 5 amot. The Rochav of the Agalot was also 5 amot. But in the Rochav, in the width of the Agalot, it wasn't exactly the same as the length. The length was a real 5 amot in length. In terms of the width, the actual width of the wagon itself, or the empty area, the khalal, the space in the middle, is 2.5 amot. On the side, you have what are called the Defanot, or later on in the Gemara, they're going to call them Dot but it's these framed side pieces here on which the Khrashim are going to sit. We'll see that in a second. Then you had the extension of the axle and then the wheel. Between that Dauphin, the Ofan, uh, or the Ofanim, the wheels, that area, that expanse is one and a quarter Amot on each side. So therefore, if you take the center open space of two and a half Amot, and one and a quarter Amot on this side for the Dauphin and the Ofanim, and then the other side you have for the dofa and the wall and the opening and the wheels. So you have one and a quarter on each side, that adds up to two and a half. Two and a half, two and a half is five a moat across. It's a five a squared wagon, but the lengthwise you have a real five a moat. Widthwise you really only have two and a half a moat in width of empty space. And then the sideboards and the wheels give you an om and a quarter each, which add up to two and a half a moat, and then you have a full five a moat across. So that's the shape of the agalot. Now, Rav said that we have three areas that are classified as being Rishut Rabin. Number one is Tachtehem, under them. Sidehem on their sides. So under them, pretty easy to understand. Tzidehem is in the area between the wheels. It's beyond the wagon itself, but the area between the wheels. Benehem is the space between the wagons. We're going to see in a second that they put the Kreshim on top of them. So they needed space to go on top. That deals with this next piece, which is the Krashim themselves were 10 amot tall, but they laid them down across the width of the wagons. So the 10 amot Khrashim sat on the 2.5 amot empty space in the middle. Plus they covered the board and the wheels, which is one and a quarter each side, but that gives you only 5 amot across the width of the wagon. Then they extended beyond the wagon on both sides another 2.5 amot. Because the width of the wagon takes up five mode of the kerish. And they have two and a half moat that they extend on each side. So when you have the wagons next to each other, the boards will come close to each other. And therefore you'll have this five emote space that sits between the two wagons... That is, Benehem, and we know from before, the Gemara's before, that we're at least Tem fachim, or 10 fachim off the ground, because this was the ra'ayah, that if you pass something above ten fachim, or for a Rishut to Rishut Yechid over Rishut Rabim, that you are chayav, shekem B'nei kahat. They used to transfer the kreshim from one wagon to the other wagon. So we know that this area, the base of the wagon, where the kreshim sit, is at least 10 fachim off the ground. Because that was the proof the Gemara brought before, to the fact that you pass something across the Rashid uh, rabim, or really along the side of the Rashid the rabim from Rashid the yechid to the that you are Chayav. So that gives you the background. So what the Gemara is saying is, well, let's see. Rab just said that underneath the wagons, between the wagons, and on the sides of the wagons, you are Chayab. That's considered to be Rishut Rabim. Well, let's look at that. If that's Rishut Rabim, the Krashim go right across there. If the Krashim go across there, then it's a roofed area of the Rishut Arabim. Because the Krashim are going to cover the area that's B'naihem. It's going to cover the area that's Takhtahem. And it's going to cover the area that's B'tzihidehem. So because of that, the Gemara says, you have a problem now. Because we have a statement that says that Rishut Rabim, that is Mikurez Patur, because there was no such thing in the Midbar. But, based on the other statement of Rav, it seems that there was a covered area in the Midbar that was classified as Rishut Those are the areas underneath, on the sides, and between the Agalot, which have the Kreshim that lay over them. When the Krashim lay over them, they do have a roof. They are mikure. All right, so that's the Gemara's issue now. So the Gemara says, oh, no problem. Kikama Rav, Rav's solution to the problem is Bitarato. Ray Rav solves the problem is that Bitarato You have to know that the way that they had to place the Kreshim on these wagons resulted in spaces being left over. And that's because Bnei Marie had four wagons for the 48 Kreshim that are found in the Mishkan. In the Mishkan, we have 20 Kreshim that run along the northern side, 20 Kreshim that run along the southern side, And then 8 Kreshim that run along the western side of the Mishkan gets you to 48 Kreshim. Those 48 Kreshim are divided up amongst 4 Agalot. That means that each Agala is carrying 12 of the Kreshim. So now the Gemara says, okay, Rav is saying, or the solution to our problem is, there was areas that Rav said are Rishut rabim underneath the wagons, to the sides of the wagons, and in between the wagons. But those had empty or air spaces between the Kreshim. And that's what he's speaking about. He's not speaking about the areas directly under the Kreshim. He's talking about the gapping between them when you stack them up. Now the ground wants to understand this. What's exactly this case? Michteh. Let us understand now. Urka agala kamavai. How long is the length of a wagon? Kamesh amin. That's the five amot that we know that is the length of the wagon. the keresh. The width of the keresh. Kamavai. How wide is it? Amta. Upalga. It's one and a half amot. So now, the way that the Kreshim looked where they were ten amot tall, and then they were one and a half amot wide, and an amat deep. So now, what the Gemara says is, okay, you're going to lay the Kreshim along the length of the wagon. So now, if each Kreshim is one and a half amot wide, and you're going to lay them down on the width of the Kresh, how many can you fit on a five amount wagon? Well... Three times one point five gets you to four point five. So the maximum amount that you can lay across this wagon is three. So what you'll do is you'll lay them across, three of them across, and then stack them up four high. And that's how you get the twelve on the wagon. Now the Gemara says, okay, if you do that, motif, how many can you put down on the wagon? you can lay three across the wagon with five amot. You can lay three with one point five amot of width on the wagon. So pashele pagodamto. So if you take five minus three times one and a half, that's five minus four and a half a mold, you get half an amah left over. So you distribute that half an amah between the stacks of Krishim. Mar, beni ubeni, when you distribute it in between half an amah, it's the equivalent of three tvachim. Because an amah is six tvachim, half an amah is three tvachim. If I distribute the space evenly between the stacks, that means that between each stack I have one and a half tvachim. So that's what you see here. You have a five amah wagon. Each one of the krashim laying on their side takes up one and a half a moat. You have one and a half Tfakhim space in between, then another one and a half Amot, one and a half Tfakhim, and then another one and a half Amot. The problem with that is, that doesn't help you. Because even though there's an empty space between the stacks of the Prashim, that doesn't solve the problem because they're too close together. Under three Tfakhim, away from each other, it's as if the space doesn't exist. It's as if it's gone, and it's as if it's still roofed. If that's the case, if it's still roofed, then... We don't have a solution to our problem, which is, we said it's not in the Midbar, yet, Rab is saying, underneath these wagons, and by the sides, and in between them, you have these Kreshim that are taking up the space that's there, and taking up the space, they're also going to roof over that area. We said, no, it's the in-between space, but the in-between space is too little to give you an opening. So, Gemara says, wait a minute, Misa, we aputayu, what? You thought that they laid the Kreshim down on their width. <laughs> they actually laid them down on their depth. And we said again. They were 10 Amot high, 1.5 Amot wide, and 1 Amah deep. So now they're going to lay them on their side. Basically, on the 1 Amah side. Sof, sof. So now, what's going to happen if you do that? Sumcha, the how The depth of the karish is Amta, 1 Amah. So then, how many can you lay down on a wagon? If You have a 5 Amah wagon. How many of those one Amah wide can you lay down? You can lay down four of them on a five Amah wagon. If you do five, you'd be too close. It won't work. It'd be too tight, and they wouldn't be able to balance on there. The assumption is that you have four of them along here, four amot. So you have an extra Amah left over, because you put one Amah, one Amah, one Amah across, and then you'll stack three high. Three high of one and a half a moat, Because now remember you turned it on its depth side. That means the width is on the upright. That means you have one and a half a moat. So they're going to actually be four and a half a mote tall, stacked. And they're going to have one ama of their depths laying across the wagons. They lay across the wagons this one ama. You take up four rows of that or four columns worth of the koreshim. Then you have four amot out of the five. That leaves you one ama left over. The one ama you have to distribute in the three empty spaces between the different Columns of the kreshim. So we have come So you have one amah left over. Kishari beni Again, what do you do? You redistribute the space evenly between the stacks of Krashim. One amah is equivalent of six t'vachim. If you have to divide up six t'vachim between three empty spaces, that means each space gets two t'vachim. dami. You're in the same problem again. You're under three t'vachim space. It's as if it doesn't exist. As if it doesn't exist, then you haven't solved your problem. You still haven't found an area that's not mikureh around these agalot that Rav speaking about. And that would mean that there was a roofed area in the Midbar that was classified as reshut Rabbim. So the Gemara says, alright, we're going to move on to something else. Again, the Gemara assumes you know this already. There's going to be a in a second about what the Krasim looked like. Until now, we've assumed they're 10 amot high, 1.5 amot wide, and an amot deep. And that was it. We assumed that they were rectangular in nature, the way that most boards are. There's a machloket coming up in one second, and in that machloket that we're coming up, there is a difference of opinion of whether the krashim, as they got higher, tapered off. Were they actually rectangular in nature? Or as they ascended, they actually moved inward, and they tapered off. The difference will be, that for the one who says it tapered off, we can actually find a solution. Until now, we've been discussing them being square or rectangular. In nature, there we had no solution. The Gemara says, the da It works well according to one who says, milamata and ovyanama. At the base, the deep. Milamalon, as they ascend, They narrow down till they are a finger's breadth. They are tapering off as they go up. Shapir, now it makes sense, we can figure this out. So here you have it again. If you lay the four of them across the wagon, on the side that you have the Amah, you still have the same problem that you had before. But on the side that they taper off to, to become an Etzpah, you're going to have spaces between them, significant spaces between them. Remember, it's five Amot across here, and Etzpah is much less than an Amah. And so the three empty spaces here are going to exceed three Tifachim without any problem. Now, where was Rav's statement? Okay, dehem was underneath the the boards opening over here. Tzidehem was over here. Ben was over here. You have areas where it's not roofed, and that's what's going to be classified as Rishut according to Rav, and that would solve our problem, the steerer between the two statements of Rav. Kishim Milamala According to the opinion it says that they were equally an Amah at the bottom as they were on the top. There was no tapering over here. They were completely rectangular in nature. Then, Ma'iq al-Memar. maimar. is the solution to this? Amar of Kahano It's with Atbe'e. Now this is a makhluk at exactly what Ba'atbe'e means. We'll go with first what Rashi explains in the name of his Rebbeim. The name of his Rebbeim he says Atbe'e are the Taba'ot that were found on the Kreshim. So if you remember the way that the Mishkan was built you had the Kashim that went around again there were 20 on the north side 20 on the south side and 8 on the western side in order to join them together they had what was called a Briach but the Briach worked like this they had Rings A quarter of the way down the board, there was a ring. And then a quarter of the way up from the bottom of the board, there was a ring. And then there were these poles that were inserted into those rings that attached the boards. In addition to that, there were holes through the center of the boards. And that's what we call the briach The center briach that's inserted into the center and goes all the way around through the center. So right now, the Gemara is discussing, according to the Rebbeim of Rashi, is the tabaot. So, the answer to our problem is actually the taba'ot, which is here. If you look, if you lay out the kreshim, now again, you're going to lay them out on their one wanama side, but with the wanama side facing on the longer side are these taba'ot, these rings in which you insert the poles that attach them together, as well as the center holes where you insert the briach through. Now, if you make the boards flush together and have the ring spacing out, you put two boards flush and then the ring's facing out. And the same on the other side. You put two boards together, and the ring's facing out. If you do that, what ends up happening is, you have a, remember, the wagon is five amot long, and now you're sitting the boards on their sides, on their depth, which is one amma each. That's four amot. So instead of what we did before, which is distributing the space between the different stacks of boards evenly, over here, all the space will be in the middle. There'll be one amma in the middle. Why did you have to do this? You have to do this because the rings, the rings shut out of the boards, and you can't push the boards together because of the rings. The rings block you from pushing them together, so all the space is left in the middle, and then you put the rings on the outside, and then in the middle. So that's how you solve the problem. Now we have an Amma in the middle. An Amma in the middle, again, is another area that's not roof. So here will be tahtehem is Rishut Here will be tzidehem, and here will be Benehem, that is Rishut arabim. And that will solve the problem for Rab. That's the way the Rabim of Rashi explained it. On the other hand, Rashi himself says he thinks that's the wrong explanation. He says he doesn't think the word adbe'e means tabaot. He says that adbe'e actually means something akin to a clothespin or a paper clip. It's a board that is split, that's cut. And in it, you insert papers to hold it. It holds the papers. You have a board that has a crack in it, and you push the papers in there, and it holds the papers. And again, a paper clip of a clothespin of some sort that holds it together. And that's what he thinks the Gemara Singh over here. ad basically means that they are flush against each other. He has the same, in the end, solution that has his rebeim, but for a different reason. He says it has nothing to do with the tabot, but simply, they made the two stacks flush, the other two stacks flush, And then they left the alma in the middle. They left the alma in the middle not because of the taba'ot, but simply because it was easier to keep the two stacks together. They reinforced each other and the other two stacks together. Rashi says one of his big kashas on his rebellion is, because I don't understand why the taba'ot are a problem. All you have to do is stagger them. If you don't put them directly opposite each other, but you offset them slightly, you could push them together without having any problems with the taboot. So he says, I don't see the taboot being an issue to force the boards apart. He says, I think they made a decision to put the boards apart in Amah, but nothing to do with the taboot, because I think with the tabot you can solve that problem by slightly offsetting the boards and then pressing them together. Right, then you don't have enough between them. you can have that, that area will be less than the three tifachim that you need. Less than half an amah, and then you'll run into a problem. You're right, you'll still have a space between because of the taba'ot. But we're assuming the taba'ot are less than half an amah. Because of that, you have less than three tifachim, and you're back to your lavud problem. The Rashi on the other hand offers this alternative solution, which is that it's just talking about being flush. And that's what the word atbe'eh means. He brings proof to what he thinks the definition is not to do with the tabot. Again, it's the same solution but because of a different reason, a different reason that draws him to that solution. There's one thing to note that Tosafot over here does not necessarily love the explanation here of the boards coming tapered, because he says if this really is the way the boards looked, what you should have done is alternate the boards. So if you alternate the boards, then the tapering would match up with the thicker sides, and then you could actually put more boards and put them closer together. So what Tosafot suggests in the end is that they weren't tapered like this, they actually were thick through about the halfway point, and then they only taper towards the top. If they're not tapered the entire way, then you cannot alternate them, and have them be flushed together or close together. Because if they only taper towards the top, then you don't have that option. So that's why Tosipode says that he does not sure that this idea of them tapering all the way along is the proper way to explain it, because otherwise you have a solution or you have a way to alternate them and then lose the space again. So then, Mars says, Atbe Heikha Manachluhu. Where are the Atbe? Where are these rings? Agaba d'Aglo. Agala. On the back of the Agala. Agala bufa mikura havai. Wait a minute. Where you, do you think these Tabaot are? Well, the Tabaot here are in the center, and they are running over the Agala. Problem is now, what we've assumed until now is the design that I showed you of the Agala, is that it's a frame. The agalan is just a frame of two sideboards and the two ends, which also act as probably something akin to a axle. And that's how they moved the wagons, that they were just framed out wagons. What the Gemara says now is, wait a minute, maybe the wagons had a plank across them, but they were, they themselves were not just a frame, they actually had something sitting on them. They had a board or a floor that sat on them. If that's the case, now you have no solution to the problem about being under the wagons, because the wagons are always covered. No matter how you lay out the boards, the wagons are covered, and that's going to be a problem. The solution to that problem is Amar Shmuel B'yoteidot. The way the wagons were designed, is the way that I showed you, I told you that you need to know some more information from later, is that the way the wagons are described, Are they are framed out. So what I told you before was called the Dauphin, according to Rashi, the Dolphin, according to Rashi, is what the Gemara now calls the Yoteidot. Which are these framed out pieces that allow you to have the wagon carry the Kreshim without having, having a floorboard inside of the wagon. So once you do that, then these answers will help us in order to reconcile between the two statements of Rav. Rav made one statement that Rishut Rabim is not the Rishut Rabim, And a second statement is that Ennehem between the, the wagons, Bitsi Dehem, in between the wheels of the wagons, and Tach Dehem are Rishut Rabim. And we do have a manifestation of that, where there's space between the Qushim that's greater than three tvachim, and therefore that will be unroofed area, and that'll be what Rav is speaking about. That unroofed area will be the Rishut Rabim, and the remainder will be roofed, and it will not be classified as the Rabim, and that's how we'll reconcile between the two statements of Rav. Not correct. correct. Whatever's under the krasim will be rishut rabim and will be Padur. Whatever is not under the krasim, as long as you have a space greater than three Tfachim, will be rishut That's not Mikureh and that will be kayav. And that's how we can reconcile the two statements of Rav. Now the Gemara continues with the machloket about how what the krasim looked like. milamatan ovyanama. At the base they are in amathik, kalin ad but they taper off until they are a finger's breadth. Shinamar. You tamim al rosho that they have to be flush at the top. Ula halanhuomer, and it says in Yoshua. Tamu, nichretu. Finished off, nichretu, and cut off. And say for Yoshua, it's describing what happened to the waters of the Yardain. After they are split, it says that anybody who was downriver from Bnei Yisrael crossing through the Yardain, they did not get any water. Vayordim al-yam ha-ravah, ha melach Tamu, nichritu. They didn't see any water coming down, because the Yardain was now cut off, and the water was no longer flowing towards yama melach Now, the Gemara is making a, is a, shower, a connection between the Tamim, that is found over here. That they are flush, and the tamu nechirutu that is mentioned in Yoshua to show you that what does tamim mean? Mechutu, cut off. It's sliced off, and that's what happens when you taper something. When you taper something, you're cutting off as you go up. You cut off a portion of the board as it goes up. Divrei Rabbi Yehuda. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda that they're an ama wide at the bottom and tapered at the top. On the other hand, Reb Nechemia Amerikashim Shalamatan of Yam ama kach milamana. Just like at the base, they are in a wide. So too, as they ascend, they remain in a Mawai. They're rectangular in nature. They're like a normal board that you would see. Because it says they are together. Yachtav, or singular in their nature. Their singular nature means they have the same size all the way through. tamim. What does he do with the word Tamim? That they have to come as a single board. They were planed and made as a board... And not like press board or plywood or attached pieces. It was a single board. The keresh was ten amot tall by one and a half amot wide by one amot deep. Came from a single piece of wood. And that's how they created it. It wasn't glued together. It wasn't pieced together. It was one piece. That's what he says the word tamim means. Vidach. And what about Rabbi Yehuda? He also has the word yachdav. What is he going to do with that? Ha'o t'lo chofinu that you shouldn't stagger them, that they should all be flush all the way across, or they should be next to each other. So that where the tapering happens, the tapering should all be at the same angle and they should put next to each other so they all taper, not have them one side taper this way, one side taper this way, and therefore there's spacing in between them. Like anybody would build. Then in a way that they place them all in the same tapering, and therefore it's a nice long ball of tapered crushim. obyanama, Now I understand why it says. On the western side, you make six kreshim. And you'll make two kreshim for the corners. The width of those in the corner. It will cover the depth of the ones on the north and the south. So over here, what we have is that along the northern and southern sides, we said before that there were 20 kreshim. So those 20 kreshim, when they line up, and they come all the way to the end. Then, on the western side, you also have 6 kreshim. They go along. So now, if you take 20 kreshim along the northern and southern sides, and you multiply it by 1.5 amot, that gets you 30 amot. That is the size of the mishkan. The mishkan is 30 amolt from the front to the back. Then, on the western side you have six kreshim of one and a half amot. Six times one and a half is nine amot. But we know that the width of the mishkan is actually ten amot. So now, how do they work the corners? This is what the Gemara is discussing over here. That they were actually, according to the one who says that the beams were completely equal top and bottom, that's Rabbi Nechemia, it's easy to understand what happened. In the corners, they place a kresh in each corner that's one and a half wide, one deep and 10 tall, like a regular karish But what ends up happening is, a portion of that karish is eaten up by the depth of the nor- northern and southern sides. So the northern and southern sides are an Amah deep. So that one and a half Amah karish that's in the corner, an Amav, it's eaten up by the northern wall. And an, on the southern side, an Amav is eaten up by the southern wall. What's left over from that Karish in the corners? Half Amav on that Karish and half Amav on the other Karish. That gives you the additional Amav plus the six krishim in the middle that got you to nine. That gets you ten Amot. So now you have ten Amot of width. But everything works nicely because now you have a nice horseshoe, basically. What you've generated here is a horseshoe shape which is the northern and southern sides and the western side. And the western side portion of it is covered by the northern and southern sides to create the U or the horseshoe shape. And that will all work nicely. Everything will be flush and look perfect. So I understand according to Rabbi how this looked. The problem is, according to Rabbi Yehuda, it says that they tapered at the top. Then when you get to the western side, how do you have those corner beams? If you place in those corner beams in the western side and they come up to the top, they're squared out. The tapering is from the one and a half on my side upward, but the one on my deep side is, is not tapered. So what you're going to end up happening here is you're going to have, they all taper in like this. And on the western side, they also taper inward. But at the corner, the one that's one and a half wide is actually going to extend beyond the northern and southern sides because the northern and southern sides are tapered upward, and that's squared out. Western side, the corners are squared out, and so you're going to have them extending beyond the fashima in that side. So the answer is that the corner boards were tapered on two sides, which is, that's what the Gemara says here. So if you look here, that the base is an amal wide, and then they rise to the point where they are an etzba, high aisle The southern and northern sides are going in, whereas the western side's sticking out. It's going to look a little funny on the western side, because you're going to have this thing protruding out beyond the tapering of the northern and the southern sides. It's not even aesthetically pleasing. So why would you do that? So it says, the Lake Kiturin, they are tapered like a mountain. How does a mountain look? A mountain is tapered from all sides. A mountain comes inward from all sides. So the same thing over here. On the western side, it's not only going to be tapered behind it coming in, it also be tapered over here so it matches the tapering of the northern and southern sides. So once you've done that, you have, it look nice, but those mikutsa'ot will be tapered from two directions, both from the western side in, and the northern side, or the southern side inward, by tapering on two sides, then you make it flush with the northern and southern boards that are there. So that's what the answer of the Gemara is, that it's kiturin, that it's a tapering that's like this, on a right angle. You have a tapering this way and a tapering this way. So that'll make it so that this is the western side, so it's tapered here. And this will match up with what's on the southern and northern sides if you taper it from two sides. All right, now the Gemara says, The briach, which we mentioned before, that there were holes in the middle of the kreshim that allowed this pole to go through the middle to lock them together. Tana It just leaves it out. It's miraculous that that happened. As far as the briach are on the outer ones that go through the tabot, those poles that go through it, it's very easy to understand. There are, first of all, four poles per side. So you insert the pole from, that is, say, on the northern side, where it's 30 a.m. long. You have a pole that's 15 a.m. long, you insert it. You have another pole that's 15 a.m. long, you insert it. And they meet in the middle through these tabot, And you have one on top and one on the bottom. Whereas the briach atichon, at the middle pole that went through, was a single pole... That went the entire thirty amot mm of the southern side, the entire ten amot mm of the western side, and the entire thirty amot mm of the northern side. It's a single pole that made it all the way around the horseshoe, all the way around the U. One pole, and that's what the Gemara says. Nice, it was a miracle because the pole had to bend to make the turns through the krushim, and that was the miracle that it was able to do that. It was spring-loaded, so they had to insert it, and it made its way around the horseshoe as a singular pole going through. Now, next thing about the Mishkan. So that's another piece of information that you need to know about the Mishkan, which are the yeriot. The yeriot are actually two sets of yeriot. There's the lower yeriot, which are made up of sheets that are four amot wide and 28 amot long. They attached five of these together. There were five of them in a row that were attached together. And then there's another set of five on this side. And they had loops over here. They're called the Lula'ot on each at the ends of the two sets of five, and then they were called krasim. Krasim are these hooks that hook them together and join them together in the middle. In totality, what you have now is, you have 10 of these pieces of ohel, which are 4 by 28, which extend this way. They're 28 long and 4 wide, but they're joined along their length side, so now they actually join together to give 10 of them that are four amot, each one add up four. So what's the to end up going to happen? The comparison to do the math in a second. So if you do the multiplication, so now you have 10 times the four is 40 amot. So that's the length of when they're joined together. That's going to be the length of all of them. And they are 28 amot wide. This is what we call the mishkan. This is the mishkan. And that mishkan lays on, literally on top of the mishkan, what we described before. Lays on top of the Mishkan. It's not hanging, but it lays on top of the Mishkan. So now, that's what Gemara describes here. The Correct. The Mishkan you made. Ten yeriot, as we just described here. These ten pieces of Ohel. Oh o achat. The length of a single Yiria is shmona ve 28 amot. shaday urkaya le de-Mishkan. You put the length of the yeriot across the width of the Mishkan. So kamahavyo? Esrim ve then you have 28. The same is going to be true along the length, which is going to have 40 miles along the length. We're going to do that calculation in a second. If you put 28, the length of these, over the width of the Mishkan, how wide was the Mishkan? We just discussed this before. How wide was the Mishkan? 10 abot. It's ten amot wide. So that's what the Gemara says here. Dal eser igra. Take away ten amot for the airspace, the roof of the Mishkan, because it's ten amot wide. Pashalu tet gisa, gisav, tet high gisa. If I take 28 minus 10, I'm left with 18. If I take 18 and divide it in a half, I have nine and nine. That means I have nine amot residual for each side. Rabbi Yehuda. According to Rabbi Yehuda, it says that the Kreshim were tapered down to an expa at the top. Then... When it falls over, it's going to fall over and go down 9 amot on the Kreshim, on each side. Because there's no width to the Keresh at the top. And it's going to flow down to 9 amot. doesn't consider here is that there's a hypotenuse to the tapering of the board. So it shouldn't go down the full 9 amot. That they don't consider. They just say that it goes drops for Rabbi Yehuda down 9 amot. Down to right above what we call the Adanim. The way the krashim looked were, they were actually 10 amot tall. The last amah, the base amah we're going to see at the end of today's daf. Was actually two projectiles coming out of it. Those projectiles sat in the silver Adanim, the silver bases that were underneath it. So they placed into the Adanim. So according to Rabbi Huda, what you basically have is, it covers the entire Teresh. The only thing exposed on the side now is the Adanim, the silver Adanim of the Mishkan. So that's what the Gemara says so far for Rabbi Huda. The Rabbi Huda Miglai Amada Adanim. For Rabbi Huda, the only thing exposed on those sides, the northern and southern sides, is the one ama of the silver Adanim. But Rabbi Nechemia, Rabbi Nechemia says that the boards on top were an Amah, wide. That means you have an additional Amah of width at the top for the roof that's covered up on each side. So that means actually to cover the top you need 12 Amot to cover the top, 10 of the airspace plus an amma on each side for the Keresh. 12 Amot, 28 minus 12 is 16. 16 divided in half is 8. That means you have a residual of 8 on each side to drape down. The 8 that draped down on each side is, migali Ya'amah du then you have not only the Amav, the Adanim, but one Amav, the Kreshim, are exposed because you only cover eight Amot of the Keresh. Shade putayu, the Urka, of the Mishkan. Put their width along the length of the Mishkan. Kamahavya. how much is that? Arba'in, we said before that each width is four Amot. Four times ten is forty. Now, we said before that the Mishkan, the length of the Mishkan is thirty Amot. So if the length of the Mishkan is the Mishkan, Dal in the Igra. 30 amot of the space of the Mishkan, take out that 30 amot, which is for the roof, the empty space of the roof. Pashlehu, what's left over, take 40 minus 30, you have 10 left over. le Yudah, according to where the Krasim in the back don't take up any space at the top, they're ke'edzba. Then, mixaya Ama D'Adanim, you have 10 that drapes over the back, 10 drapes over the back of the Mishkan, it covers not only the Krasim, but it covers all the way down to the floor, even the adanim themselves covers the entire 10 Amot there. The Rebbe Nechemia, on the other hand, Rebbe Nichamia, you have an of thickness of the Kreshim on the western side. That of thickness on the western side is added to the roof space, so it's 31 on top. That means 40 minus 31 is 9. You only have 9 Amot that drape down in the back. So Miglaya Amad Adanim, for him... They amav the name was exposed on the back. Now, one of the things you need to know is that on the eastern side there was nothing. On the eastern side there were no Kreshim of the name, and we start flush with the first of the Kreshim on the eastern side. It's not a door, it's a vilon, it's a curtain that hangs down. A curtain that hangs down, but it has a mudim that holds it up, and it's a curtain that, that hangs over there. But it takes up no width of space over there, and that's why the Gemara is starting from the beginning of the airspace and dropping it all to the western side, which is the back of the Mishkan. That's for what we call the Mishkan, that goes on top. On top of the Mishkan are the Yuriyotizim, which are an ohel. They're called an ohel because they cover over the Mishkan. Now the Yuriyotizim, were similar to the Mishkan, but they're a little different, which is that their shape was 4 by 30. Instead of being 4 by 28, they were 4 by 30. The additional thing is that they had 5 of them attached together, and 6 of them attached together to make up 11. They were 5 on one side, 6 on the other, and they put the loops together, and then they made it into 11 long. So now the dimensions of this Iriotizim is 44, by 30. That's what it's going to be. Now they're going to place this on top of the Mishkan. And the Gemara going to do the same calculation we just did before. The width of a single piece is 30 Amot by 4 Amot. Shade de mishkan. Take the length of the yeriot, which is 30 amot, and stretch it across the width of the mishkan. Again, Hakama Avya. in Tlatin. How wide are the yeriot? 30. So how much is the top of the mishkan? Dal Eser, the Igra. Once again, we know that it's 10 amot wide, the mishkan. So you drop 10, you have 20 left over. the Eser the 20 divided in a half is 10 for each side. The Rebbe Yehuda, according to Rebbe Yehuda, it says that the krashim at the top take up no space. That means I have ten left over I can drape down the side, and ten draping over the other side, they cover to the floor. And that's what it says, miksaya Covers even the amadanim. it goes all the way to the ground. The Rebbe Nechemia, according to Rebbe Nechemia, who says that the krashim at the top are still an amad wide, that means that the roof is twelve. Because the 10 of the airspace plus an amma on each side for the kushin, it's 12 across. 30 minus 12 is 18. 18 divided in half is 9. 9 left on each side gets you down to the amma of the adanim at the base. So the amma of the adanim is left over. So the rabbi chami amigaya amma da adanim. Tanya namiochi. We have a writer uh, that supports this. Vama Mizeh, vama mize ba'odef. The chama soot shel adanim divere rabbi uda. That the amma here and the amma here, which was in excess, Meaning that if you have them 30 long here, and the previous Mishkan was 28 long, you have an excess of an Amah on each side. That they exceed the Mishkan, which was 28, they exceed them by Amah. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, what does that excess Amah do? It covers over the Adanim, because it reaches into the ground. Whereas according to Rabbi Nechemia, Omer lechasot Amah That additional ammat only covers up to the Krasim, but leaves the Adanim exposed on the base. Now, Shadi Putayu the Urke the Mishkan, take their width and put it along the length of the Mishkan. Kama avia, how much is that? Again, we said there are eleven of them times four, that's forty four amot. Mem va arba. It's forty four amot. Dao in the igra. Again, the length of the mishkan is thirty. 44 minus 30 is 14. You have 14 left over now. Now, pashalo arbatsare. You have 14 left over. Dal tarte the kifla. Take two of those, a for the fold over. You will fold over. A half of the sixth area towards the front. So in the front of it's on the eastern side, it didn't start flush like the other one, but actually went over the edge and folded over two amot on that side. So you knock out two amot for that fold over in the front. So That leaves you twelve left over for the back. You have twelve for the back. According to you, I understand. That's what it says. The additional half a yiriyah will drape over on the floor. It will be like the equivalent of gonna say in a, second, like a wedding gown. The train of the wedding gown that lays on the floor. Because he has 12 of left over. Remember his kashim have no width to them. So that means at the back end you have 12 left over. 10 of them will get you to the floor. 2 left over are dragging on the floor behind. 2 is half a yiriyah. Because the yiriah is 4 Amot. Why? You put 2 that are draped on the floor in the back, and 2 that are draping over in the front. So that makes sense. The pasuk that says that Tisrach, that will be flowing or draping in the back, the 2 Amot of Chatz that makes sense according to Rabbi Yudah. Hello, Rabbi Nechemiah, my Tisrach. What is the draping over? Because for Rabbi Nechemiah, he has 12 Amot left over in the back, but he has to use 1 that for the depth of the Prashim on the western side. That means he only has an excess of 11. The excess of 11, 10 to get down to the ground, that means there's only one Amah sticking out in the back. So what does it mean, tisrach, that there's half a yiriyah that is draping? The answer is, tisrach mi that extends beyond the one that's before it. Because remember, the Mishkan that was there before, was 10 times 4, 40 Amot. 40 Amot starting flush from the eastern side, 30 of them took off the airspace of the Mishkan, one Amah was the Keresh, So that's 31 out of the 40, he had 9 left over. The 9 left over draped down the back and left the Adanim exposed for Rebni Chami in the back. Now he has the 44. Two of those he puts in the front. So now he's down to 42. 30 of them he needs for the airspace. He's down to 12. He needs one of them on the back for the depth of the Prashim. You're down to 11. The 11 extends down to the ground in one past. The previous one only got down 9. 11 exceeds 9 by 2 Amot. So what does it mean that it extends, tisrah? it drapes over two amot more? It drapes over two amot more than the one that's underneath it. It extends two amot more. Not on the floor, on the floor is only one amot. But it extends beyond the drape that's underneath it by two amot. So that's how Rabbi Yudho explained the puzzle. Tana, debay rabishma, lama, mishkan, domeh. What is mishkan similar to? a woman is walking in the marketplace and her drape goes behind her that's what I said to you before it's like the train of a wedding gown yeah? that trails behind the woman when she's walking that's exactly what the mishkan looks like because of the draping of the yiriot izim on the back whether it's a Rebbe it's one ama according to Rebbe Yudah it's two ama that drape across the band on the back now the last statement here which is what we discussed until now which is Tan Harutima charuzim the, chalulim adanim. the Adanim are the sockets, the silver sockets, in which the Krashim sit. And it says here that the silver sockets are hollow in the middle. Now the sockets were the same shape as the Kreshim, but it took two sockets to fill up a karish. So if a kerish is one and a half wide, and it's one Amah deep, that means that the Adanim are one ama deep, but they're only three quarters of an Amah wide. The are three quarters of an Amah wide, so the two of them together will add up to one and a half Amot. So the three quarters of an ama wide and an ama deep. Now the three quarters of an ama is not all solid. It's not all solid, but there is a hollow space in the middle. That hollow space in the middle is basically half an ama. So that means that the walls of the adanim are a quarter ama all the way around. Quarter ama are all the way around, and then you have a half ama space in the middle. They're a quarter by a half in the middle. Because you need a quarter ama, quarter ama, and then it'll leave a quarter ama in the middle on the lengthwise. And then, the depth-wise, you have an amah, so it'll be a half by a quarter. The hollow space is a half amah by a quarter amah. Then, the krashim themselves were kharutim. They had pegs extending out of them. Those pegs were a half amah by a quarter amah. Those pegs are a half ama by a quarter amah, and then they insert into the hollow space of the Adanim, and then they rest on the rim of the Adanim. The space that is not the pegs, sits right on top of the Adanim. and that's what's being said here. Kharutim ayu ayu adanim. Therefore, you insert the Rashim into the adanim. You can see that in the picture that's here in Rashi. They're going in. Now, just so you know that there is some stira between Rashi here and the Gemara and Rashi and Chomish. Rashi in Chomish, first of all, describes the draping of the iriot slightly differently. Off by an Amah. He shifts it over an Amah in the Chomish. So it's actually different than what he says here, as well as the adanim. It's not clear. According to Rashi and Chomish, it sounds like the adanim are actually U-shaped and not squared out with a hollow piece in the middle, but rather U-shaped, equivalent to what today they use when they put up a sukkah or a deck, they have those U-shaped pieces in which they insert the beams and they drill them into it. So that same thing over here. That's what it sounds like from Rashi and Chumash. Over here, Rashi sounds more like it was a hollow piece and it was all around. Just so you know, when we get up to Parshat Chumah, and you see it in there, it's Rashi over there, slightly different than he is over here. The, the Yiriot, we said before, were made up of five and five. They had loops, these uh, Tchelet loops at the end. And they're connected by Krasim. The Krasim are these hooks that attach them. The lower ones, the Mishkan ones, were golden hooks. And the upper ones were copper hooks that connected them together. Those hooks, when you connect them together, when you were underneath and looked up, looked like stars in the sky. Because there was a little gapping there. but you have were the loops and then the metal pieces inside of it. So the way the light came in through that made it look like they were stars over there. Where exactly that attachment should have been, and that's what part of the issue is here, should have been over the gap or the vilone between the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKodeshim. Kodesh HaKodeshim is 10 by 10. The Kodesh is 20 by 10. So let's take, for instance, the original Mishkan. Remember we said it was 5 and 5. There were 5 Put together and 5 put together. 5 times 4 is 20. So it went for the first 20 amot and stopped. So where they were attached was the point where the Kodesh broke from the Kodesh kodeshim. The remaining twenty, ten of it went over the Kodesh HaKodeshim and then the remainder went off the back. With the larger Yiriotizim, remember there are 44 amot. The way we described them there were 22 amot towards the front. Because they're draped over 2 amot on the eastern side. Plus another 20 Gets you twenty plus the two is twenty two. That's the halfway point. Problem is that the yuriov are four amot and there's six and five of them. So there's only twenty and twenty four. So once you do that, it doesn't sit exactly on. And that's why I think Rashi and Chumash shifts it over to get it to be centered over the Godesh and Godeshim. He has to shift it over another amot, and by doing that, he ends up with a slightly different calculation. Then we have over here, in order to adjust for that problem of getting the Lugavot to be over between the space between the Kodesh and the Kodesh kodeshim. Okay, we'll stop over here.